Sports Beat Extra. Beats 102-103. I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford. There's more issues than the travel. I said I just can't do it. Games go on and you don't get a goal. Start to have little questions in the back of your mind. Welcome back to the latest edition this Saturday the 3rd of October. This week we get the inside scoop from the Wexford camp following Paul Galvin's shock departure and we hear about how sport can be used to break barriers. So join me Kevin Galvin on this week's Sports Beat Extra. This week we talk to Wexford football manager Shane Roach after Paul Galvin's shock departure. There's no point sitting down and, and, and going over over what has happened and why things have happened. It's about reacting and reacting in a positive way. And, and we hear a Wexford man who co-founded Ireland's first LGBTQ plus GA club. When we got to secondary school, I, there was, I felt there was something different about me. I started to close myself off and I kind of left sport because um, I just felt it wasn't a place where I belonged. But first, with the NBA playoffs in full swing, WIT Wildcats coach Tommy O'Mani is with me in studio to discuss the game on both sides of the Atlantic. Sports Beat Extra. Beat 102-103. So delighted to be joined in studio again by Tommy O'Mani from the WIT Wildcats. Um, Tommy, look, uh, I suppose normally when we have you in here, we're talking about uh, basketball that's happening this side of the Atlantic. I, I, I want to talk to you a little bit more, however, about the, the what's going on the other side of the Atlantic. Um, a good few people that listen to the show might well know that the NBA Finals are on at the moment, the Miami Heat and the LA Lakers. Um, two kind of, I suppose, like you've almost old money and new money, isn't it? Because the yeah, Lakers yeah. have so successful traditionally and then the, the Heat had that whole thing with James Wade and all that kind of period. Um, tell us a little bit about what's happening in it um, thus far. Have you been watching the matches? And, um, and it seems he, very one-sided. Yeah, it is. Um, I suppose Miami Heat would be the surprise package. Um a lot of people would have expected the Celtics to beat them in in the, in the finals, but I, I think their their team play is a lot better than Celtics, you know. So they're kind of the surprise package at the moment. Uh, they're playing Lakers and it's two and zero, so Lakers have kind of had it easy for the last two games. Um, they played last night now, uh, but Bam Adebayo and Gordon Dragic were missing, so they're two big starters for Heat. Okay. So uh, Lakers had, had an easy uh, an easy ten point win. So I expect I expect it to be done in four 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 and zero to be honest, you know. And it's so strange because I, we had you in not so long ago um, and you were saying, you know, it's going to be really close. You're really looking forward to how close it is and it just seems that the Lakers are unstoppable this year. Um, I suppose the, the the X factor is against LeBron, you know. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the finals, he just switches it on. Um, like, I heard a story there after the, after the first game, he stayed up until half four in the morning studying Miami, the Heat and what they do, even though they won the first game by 20 points, you know. So... Yeah. I suppose when it comes to finals, he just steps up big time, and you know, especially when you have Anthony Davis and like they're they're far bigger, they're, like they far bigger than the Heat. You know, they outmatch them. I think they they got like twenty offensive rebounds last night. You know, um, so I don't I don't think it's gonna be much of a match, even though I thought at the start, you know, being in the bubble and and all that, it would be a great game. But yeah, I was wondering, does that work against the the Heat? You know, because normally when you have a team that don't have that star factor, I suppose a lot of time the kind of crowd get behind them, and that's almost the uh, the star factor of them, yeah, I, I, I guess so. Especially when you know they've nothing to feed off of, you know. Yeah. Um, especially with their their home fans, you know. But as it being in the bubble and being in Florida, I think it's it's just it's just basketball basically. And I think what I've seen in the first two games, LeBron and and Anthony Davis are just dominating. And like the Heat, I've seen a few games now where they're just they're trying to play zone, but LeBron's just picking them apart in it, you know. So. 
I there might be it might sneak a game, but I don't expect it to sneak any more than that. How interesting is it for you um, as a coach to be? Because I mean, you know, you're looking at the obviously the best teams in the league this year, and as with any sport, you know, when you see the finals, it's kind of a good opportunity to see the up and coming trends in terms of coaching, mm. in terms of everything mm. else. So, um, have you learned kind of anything interesting out of this last ser- series, the whole playoff series in yeah. general stuff that you might take into your own gym? Well, as a coach. Uh, NBA wouldn't be a place I'd go to to learn, unfortunately, <laughs> because they're, they they have so much athleticism on there that we don't have here. So yeah. it's basically like give the ball to one person and everyone else get out of the way. Like if you ever watch Houston play, it's like for a coach, it's just terrible because uh, James Harden dribbles the ball like 20 times before he shoots it and doesn't do anything else. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of hard to replicate what we do here. But I must say, especially in the bubble, I've seen a lot more zone and a lot more especially with um, Nick Nurse in in Raptors, what he did last year. He, like, he was doing boxing one. He was doing a lot more stuff that you would see in college basketball in, in America. Mm. So like as a coach, I would prefer much watching college basketball because they're not athletic and they have to actually coach them. Where besides, okay, look, just get the ball to LeBron. That's all you have to do. You don't have to worry about anything yeah, else. Yeah, absolutely. You know? It is interesting. I, that was my next question is where, where do you go? And I suppose, um, like, what is the difference then when you watch collegiate basketball and even Irish basketball I mean obviously look we don't have the the same uh, program through schools that kids would have so they're not quite the finished article in the same way that they are um, but kind of what are the big differences in terms of how we play it over here even in Europe generally and, and the style that they play over there um, I guess athleticism is huge over there you know um, like they they practice you know twice a day once a day like in, in collegiate they practice before uh, they go to class and they practice after, like we practice here twice a week, maybe yeah. if you know what I mean. So like, when, and especially it's kind of their national sport and they're doing it the whole time and it's on TV the whole time. Where basketball here is hit and miss, and if you like it, you know you play a couple of times a week and there's always a G and so on. Um, so like I I think over in Europe, over in America, we, we're more a bit more structured mm-hmm. and we rely on you know, running sets and make sure we're good at this, we're good at that. Where like in America, they don't have to teach someone how to do a layup. They just put the ball in the basket, yeah. basically, you know. Yeah, um, it's a lot so more work on the actual fundamentals. Yes, before even, pretty yeah, much, yeah. you know. Now, I think we, there's certain countries in Europe that have caught up to America, but I think it's just athleticism. And I, I, I don't have an answer why our Americans are so more athletic than than <laughs> people in the Europeans. You know, I, yeah. I just don't know. It's probably, as we say again, you know, the, the, the whole, that whole secondary school or the, the high school system they have is, you know, these guys are almost selected to be athletes from day dot in the same way that we see guys here playing hearty cup or whatever and they yeah. go on and, and, and play to that level um, I suppose Tommy tell us a little bit again going back home now we, we were speaking kind of last time we had you and it was more about the senior side of things which obviously you don't oversee um, the latest word from Basketball Ireland I had heard or I had thought that it was that it was being pushed back two weeks but you're telling me actually you've you got a lot longer to wait than that before you actually get back to playing matches um, well, I, th- I think it's going league by league, if you know what I mean. So it's up to each league. Like I know the Kerry League aren't starting basketball wise, aren't starting till January. Um, like the league we play in, the Kenny League, have said they're starting in November. But again, that depends on like if we go to level three, there's no basketball yeah. basically. So at the moment we're level two, so we're we're allowed to play it. Um, but we're allowed to play it, but in training we're in pods of six. So. It's funny, like you know, we're we're training under 18s at the moment, and they can't can't play any games, and they're only 
in pods of six and it's, I suppose for kids all they want to do is just play you yeah. know so it's kind of but are they kind of getting used to it or are they getting used to the kind of idea of that um, some aren't some aren't obviously okay. they, they, like the whole thing is I just want to play a game you know yeah. so there's only especially when there's no outlook and say okay look there's a match next week girls we'll do this yeah. where we don't have that at the moment now hopefully we'll have it in a few weeks where we'll get the local league going and say okay look now we can focus on this and focus on this but they're more focusing on individual skills which for a young kid is it's kind of hard to to, yeah. to get them, get them used to you know it's fine when they know there's something in the outlets okay this is like we entered the National Cup under 18 and we told them oh yeah it's two weeks and then we got news last week that it's pushed back to February now yeah that's <laughs> some know? pushback as well like you know yeah. it's not just like oh another week we'll have to wait it's yeah. I suppose are, are you pleased on away because you know there's nothing worse than kind of things being dragged out whereas mm-hmm. at least you know kind of clearly what the plan is I know now with the leagues they're all a bit different and that might be the case but at least with the national competitions everybody's on the same page Um, yeah look I, I guess there's a lot of uncertainty there like I, I know like there was Dublin teams in national cup and there was Donegal teams in it and they had to play in two weeks time as well so obviously their game is postponed and then if we won our game our next round we would have to postpone because we were waiting for them round yeah. and obviously another county could go in lockdown and then you're waiting for them and so on so yeah I agree there's a lot of uncertainty there and it's probably probably best to push it to February but I guess it's just disappointment from the girls you know yeah. with nothing to look forward to because it's obviously a big competition and something like we got to the final last year in it you know so there's big hype about it yeah, two finals, I think, am I right? Yeah, yeah 18s and 20s, and, yeah. 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 Um, do you feel a bit like the kids stuck indoors and everyone, when all the others are outside playing? Because, you know, you've like the soccer's back, mm. Gaz back, rugby's back pretty much. Uh, they're starting, I think, in two weeks' time in the Munster Junior Leagues in the rugby. So do you feel a bit like, you know, yeah. you're almost being punished for the fact that you're an indoor sport? It's actually funny, we had training last night and we decided to go outdoors. <laughs> right. <laughs> just just for the change, because we can yeah. we can play 5v5 outdoors, we yeah. can't just play, we can't play it indoors. So it was, it was a bit strange going, you know, but obviously with the weather and all, that, that you can't always rely on that, so... Yeah. If Especially we, going into the winter. Yeah, you know, and we don't have many outdoor courts in Waterford either, you know, so trying to find a court that, that's suitable, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of hard... Uh, yeah, we always like to be an indoor sport because we're nice and warm and stuff like that. So this is the one time we don't want to be an in, indoor sport. <laughs> if you know what I mean. I know the the whole country is dying to actually get outside, <laughs> which is so unusual. Um, like I suppose we were talking the last time about the kind of facilities that they have in in Europe and etc. But do you think this kind of strengthens your case? You know, if we are moving forward with this, and if this is likely to be part of our lives for quite some time. Um, you would imagine that in order for basketball to kind of get back going, there's going to be a lot more outdoor courts needed and possibly a, a season switch. Like, is there any chance of a, of a summer season that would allow you to kind of be outside more? Or? Um, I don't know. You know, I suppose that that's that's kind of a, a good point about an, uh, switching seasons, you know. But I suppose you're, you're clashing then with all the GA stuff yeah. and, you know, where basketball is traditional winter sport and then people play football, camogie, they play basketball in the winter, you know, so it kind of matched up. You know, I suppose this with this pandemic, you don't know. Um, but certainly, like the a lot of mo- the amount of outdoor courts is, is not great, even because, like, no club owns their own gym. So if someone wants to just go shoot, they just can't go into any place. Like, yeah. if the local GA person wants to go shoot around, they can go up to the up to their pitch and just kick around. Where, it, like, if it's basketball is your sport, you know, I think we have maybe two outdoor courts in the whole of Waterford. You know. Yeah. And they're not in the best condition either. Everywhere, yeah. Smith's toys being raided for, yeah. Uh, for his, yeah. Um, but it'd be good if if the council came on board and, you know, did up a court or whatever. And then, you know, I'm sure that they would get people to play in it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you had the kind of the input from the clubs as well. Like it would be a huge thing, some sort of facility. Um, So you, as you say, I suppose you're, you're kind of a November date is kind of 
looming like how long have you been back training now for it and um, and is it has it been strange because you kind of went back training thinking that it was going to be a certain time and now you're kind of finding yourself in limbo this kind yeah. of no man's land like we went back in mid of August I guess so we're back what six weeks almost six weeks now and obviously we go back and say okay girls we'll be in pods for a while and then next week we'll go we'll do proper games and then yeah. next week became next week and so on and it never materialised and to be honest I can't see us the situation because we can only go to the proper training if we go to level one and at the moment I can't see that situation yeah. going to level one you know for a good while so it just means that they just have to put up with it and just stay in their pods and then just play games but it's kind of awkward when you can't practice for your games when you can play 5v5 in a game but you can't do it in in normal practice yeah and, and do you fear that there's going to be some sort of drop off in terms of playing numbers because people will kind of just get fed up and go off and play sports that they can act- are actually allowed to play uh, possibly you know yeah. um, you know especially when you know as I said everyone just wants to play games in general you know like because they don't like this training point of view especially when you're young you don't see the point of okay just give me a ball and just let me play if you know what I mean which yeah. is I, you know every young person just wants to get out and play they don't want to be stopped every two minutes to tell them what they were doing right or wrong and now you're telling them you can't actually play a game. You're, you have to just give out, you know, things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, hopefully they'll stick with it and they realise that hopefully there's there's light at the end of the tunnel somewhere along the line. Brilliant, Tommy. Thanks a million. Um, like, what can I say? Best of luck to try and keep everyone motivated. Um, well, probably one of the most difficult things I imagine you've had to do um, in your time, certainly outside of everyone's comfort zone. So, uh, look, fingers crossed for a start in November, I suppose. That's all we can say. Yeah, thanks very much, Kevin. Appreciate that. Tracking sport across the southeast. So we're joined on the line by the new Wexford senior football manager Shane Roach. Um, Shane, I suppose. Look, it's not a title that you would have expected to have been called this year, um, given the fact that uh, one of the most decorated intercounty footballers of all time, Paul Galvin, uh, was supposed to be taking charge into coming into this this championship season. Um, I suppose. Look, it was the, it was the news that kind of t- took the county by storm over the last couple of weeks. Um, tell us from your perspective, kind of how, when you kind of first found out that that. Paul Paul um, was was leaving. How how did how did you end up finding that out? Um, it would have been around the time as everyone else on the on the Tuesday evening. The county board contacted me to say that um, Paul Paul was was stepping down and that I was I was in line to be the interim manager and would I take it on? And um, that's that's been it's been two weeks now and it's been planning and prepping, getting a management team together. Um, getting players players in, getting a look at club games. So it's been a whirlwind of a two weeks, but it's been totally enjoyable and it's something that I've really enjoyed today. Did Paul himself give you any indication at all, or was there any communication from him, or what did you said just came straight from the county board? No, we we spoke. We spoke after. We spoke. Um, we spoke a couple of hours after, and it was uh, it was um, he expressed his he expressed his reasons and. Um, and that was it, and that he wished me luck with the interim job and to get up and running, and um, that's where we are now. Um, from the players' point of view, like what's been, what was the reaction to it? Were they were they kind of obviously I suppose disappointed about it because look, you had a great national league campaign before everything came to a halt, and it seemed like there was a bit of momentum. So I suppose now it's kind of a case of trying to carry that on. Yeah, it's funny because it it, it happened around the time when we were starting back up, so we. We got we had a meeting. We introduced a new management team. We got up and we got up running as, as quickly as we could. So, from the players' point of view, they were it didn't happen for them 
mid-train or mid-season, it was kind of a, a new start anyway. We were coming back from the COVID. And so for them, it was a new start. It was outlined as a new management team. There's new eyes, there's new opinions, and every man then has an opportunity to prove themselves once again and put their hand up for a starting spot and spot on the on the replacement, a spot on the panel, and then um, on the on the training squad. So it was it was an opportunity for everyone that it was a complete fresh start and coming out of COVID. That's that's how it felt uh, for the players. So and they've embraced it. They couldn't speak. Um, any higher of them, they've been excellent attitude, excellent energy, intensity, and they've they've given given the new management um, a lot to think about and a lot to talk about. Yeah, I suppose speaking of opportunities, a great opportunity for yourself. But has it kind of been difficult to kind of be dropped in it now? You know, having. Uh, you know, it's from your first senior inter-county management job. Normally, these things are kind of worked out over a while, but now you're kind of in a situation where you're just having to get on with it. Is is it kind of difficult? Do you feel a little bit uh, nerved by it, or are you just relishing the challenge? Oh, I'm absolutely relishing the challenge. I would have experienced with with obviously school teams here in St. Peter's College. Um, I would have been involved with St. Martin's last year um, as a coach, and we're, we're, we're a great management team. So I've I've been in around enough management teams at inter-county level, at club level um, and at school level to, to kind of to have an idea of how how a successful high-performing culture works and a high-performing team. So it's something I've relished. Um, my first protocol was to get the best backroom team available um, to me. So I made them made made got straight away on the on the on the phone and, and then obviously to try and get the best players available in Wexford into the dressing room. And um, so it is something. And I suppose it is with COVID as well. It's, there's no point sitting down and, and, and going over over what has happened and why, why, why things have happened. It's about reacting and reacting in a positive way and, and driving. We have a short period of time and it's, it's about getting, getting up, getting running, getting focused and, and getting motivated for the challenges that lie ahead. Um, yeah, speaking of those backroom appointments, Anthony Masson and Philip Wallace. Now, you, you you know those guys fairly well. You would have played inter county with them before, so I suppose um, great to have fellas that you can kind of depend on by your side. But what kind of specific skill sets are you hoping those two can bring into the into the squad? Yeah, um, so I I spoke I spoke initially to um, a player liaison officer, uh, Donald Howland from St Martin's Club. He that's a massive role with logistics, the logistics manager, the new COVID regulations and everything that goes on that happens off the field. For him, he was my first protocol because um, he takes away all the details that's off the field and allows the coaches to coach. So that was very important for me. So I was delighted when he came in. And then I spoke to Anthony and Philip, who I would have played with at different parts of my career. And both of them are, are very passionate, retrospective people. Anthony comes in as a he's a game development officer in Wexford, so he's in a in a, in an overall coaching role, um, game based coaching. And Phil Philip Wallace then done the the full back jersey for Wexford for maybe twelve or thirteen years, so he's in as the defensive coach. So he's expertise in that area, and forwards coach then um, is Declan Brown from Tipperary. Um, Probably Tipperary, you know, respect anyone else. Tipperary's best ever forward, most most recognised forward. So delighted to get him involved. I've worked with him in my playing days under Jason Ryan and Aidan O'Brien. So I was delighted to get him involved. And then also our SNC side is 
uh, is also Declan Brown from he's based in Carlo IT he's a lecturer man as well um, he's a lecturer in strength and conditioning and sports science in Carlo IT so he's top of his field and then from the previous management uh, Noel Hooling stays on as goalkeeper coach um, so we, we really have a very strong strong management team uh, with a lot of expertise in different areas so it's um, it's been it's been totally enjoyable for myself to to learn off these guys to work with these guys to to come up with different ideas to challenge each other and then challenge the players and create an environment of competition that that is needed at this level. And how important is it to have that kind of intercounty experience? Because you know, I suppose there's always those two schools of thoughts in terms of you have the guys who are good, great coaches and might necessarily have done it, but then you have the guys who are are coaches and their their, their intercounty experience and kind of lads look up to them. So all of the yourself and all the coaches have good intercounty experience. So I suppose you know it's good it's good for the for the senior players. It means that they they have fellas that they know. You know, have 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 been there from experience, and and that that respect is there to begin with. Yeah, you know it is, and like you know, it's often said that um, sometimes good players don't make good coaches. But the minute that Philip and Anthony and Declan Brown spoke to the team, it, there was an automatic connection, and that's the key. Uh, that was the key for me was to get guys into the room that I trust, that the players can trust, that the first and 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 first and foremost, um, you know aspect was to develop develop the players, develop the group and develop Wexford football. So, you know, that when they came in and they spoke to the group it was really it was really you could see that we were already on the front foot. Um, county final day this Sunday I suppose look a big day for yourself in terms of having look at players. You're gonna have the, the kind of cream of the crop in terms of the club game there. How how difficult is it at the moment, with 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 COVID and everything going on, like, are you going to be able to be in attendance? Are you going to be one of the one of the people allowed into the ground uh, come Sunday? Yeah, yeah, I'm I, I'm able to get in into the game in, in my capacity as manager. Get in. It's been I've got into a lot of the games um, in this role to, to keep an eye, to keep an eye, and, and spot spot new talent and new players. And it's been it's been it's been very enjoyable. It's been busy, but it's been. I wouldn't expect it any other way and I wouldn't want it any other way because then I, I feel I wouldn't be doing the, the job the justice to the job or doing the job correctly. Um, so, yeah, get into the county final. It's going to be going to be a close affair. We we have we have seven guys from the panel involved um, our goalkeeper from Starlight and then we have six involved from Castletown. So it'll be in to keep an eye on those guys and then obviously to see if anyone else puts their hand up that potentially next week may be interested in a call to come in and, and join join the, the training panel and, and see where they can go from there. Yeah, because I suppose, look, if you can do it in the county final, then it shows that you're kind of able to handle the pressure. Um, I suppose, is it, you know, I, I presume a certain amount of the the, the study at the moment, um, despite the fact that I know you're allowed into games, is done on video. Um, like it must be very difficult in terms of there's so much. You know, when you when you study players, you're looking at those individual players, you're looking at their movement off the ball, you're looking at so much that the camera doesn't capture because you're focused on the action. So, like, it must be so difficult to try and look at video footage and still get an idea of of what guys are like. Yeah, like it, 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 it can be, but realistically, you know, the most important thing are, are probably the characteristics that, that happens off the ball. You know, we're looking for, um, we're looking for for character first, um, footballer second. We're looking for guys that are going to come in, 
Um, it's going to be in in October and November. It's going to be difficult conditions. There are going to be guys. That we want guys that aren't going to shirk it. We're going to have guys that are, are willing to, to get into the trenches, you know, and really fight fight for Wexford football and um, players that potentially would be would be in a starting fifteen for summer football when championship normally would be on might not be those that uh, will be get selected for the games in in the end of the end of this month and the start of November. Um, I suppose just finally looking forward now towards the, the Leinster um, Championship. Um, you guys obviously are in the first round of that one. Um, I suppose having been involved in, in Wexford senior intercounty teams over the years and no doubt having having followed uh, the Alabellis very closely over the last couple of years and being involved, what is there a secret ingredient that's kind of that you feel like there's missing or, or what does the squad kind of need or what are you looking for uh, in terms of uh, bringing the squad forward and potentially challenging further on in the championship? It probably goes back to my previous point. You're looking for characters and honesty of effort. Then, you know, if we have that... Um, we can we can build everything on that. We can build we can build you know your game plan. You can build your forward setup, your defensive setup. But the most important ingredient for for this for for any level for any team sport is honesty of effort. It's it's commitment that it's it's team first and and yourself second. And it it really is that's what we're looking for. That's what that our kind of what we're trying to promote in training. That it's basically work for the man beside you and and really enjoy and embrace. Embrace the the, the the trainings, embrace the occasion, and but it's all through it's all through supporting one another and building a group, a high performing high performing group that are, are connected and um, are interested in as much in themselves, but also the man beside them. Look, that as you speak about occasion, Shane. Um, the first of November is the big day, half one uh, throw in for the uh, for the game against Wicklow. The very best of luck to yourselves in your preparations over the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm sure you'll have no shortage of of people backing you personally, given your experience of the team uh, and the team in general. After uh, it's been a really great start to the Alliance uh, Football League, um, and hopefully carry that momentum. And uh, look, look for the following week, hopefully you'll be up against Meath in the quarterfinals. Fingers crossed. Thanks very much. This is Sportsbeat Extra. Finally, Luke Nolan is from Wexford and one of the co-founders of the Rainbow Gales, Ireland's first LGBTQ plus GA club. Our show lines caught up with Luke to hear about how important the club is to him. So personally, myself and Carl, um, who set up Nigel Erica together, um, the original idea was to help build sport um, and community through sport. Um, I myself am from County Wexford and when I was younger, I was quite sporty. And then when we got to secondary school, I there was, I felt there was something different about me. I started to close myself off and I kind of left sport because um, I just felt it wasn't a place where I belonged. And then after coming out and moving to Dublin for college, um, I realised that um, there was people like me who were interested in sports and I started getting back involved. And then we realised the GA isn't a sport that's freely covered. Um, there's no LGBTQ plus team where there would be for soccer or rugby and um, we felt that uh, building a social aspect around uh, GAA our national sport was really important so that's why I got involved in this. I know that personally it meant an awful lot to you and the response to this has been huge hasn't it? The uh, success that we saw originally came from two areas one it was LGBTQ people who wanted to get back involved in the sport people who play other sports and are just passionate about Gaelic games 
Um, so I think it proved that there's demand. Um, so it's it's a sign that nationally there's a uh, want for something along these lines. And what do you hope happens with it? So what we hope to achieve is to build a club that LGBTQ plus people from around the country can come to, they can train with us, they can get involved and they can feel like they're part of a family through something that they're very passionate about. Um, training wise, we're hoping to get going properly by early 2021, hopefully by February time. Um, this is all COVID depending, of course. Um, we're mostly what we're hoping to do is we're hoping to get people involved in back into Gaelic games. Um, it's something that a lot of people run away from when they're in their youth or, um, for many different reasons. But what we're hoping to do is build a community around sports that, um, our national sports that a lot of people are incredibly passionate about. For more info, check out Rainbow Gales on Instagram. This is Sportsbeat Extra. That's all from this week's Sportsbeat Extra. You can listen back to this and every other episode by visiting beat102103.com forward slash podcast. But up next is Trish with Beat Anthems.